I had a fun weekend in having my parents in town as uh, they were getting to go to some of my kids' games and my daughter's play and uh, taking me out for dinner for my birthday. So uh, happy birthday to me. Thank you. Uh, so I get to celebrate my birthday with all of you, which is wonderful. And you know, when families get together, there's always stories that they pass down from generation to generation. I love that when you have family gatherings. And probably my favorite stories for me and my family are about my grandfather, who's larger-than-life character. And he was a flight instructor in the Second World War and had a passion for flying. And he actually got a plane after the war. And then another one of his passions was really advocating for children's rights and for them to have the resources that they needed. His father had actually been an orphan. And so he'd fly from place to place advocating for children. Well, that brought him the attention of different leaders and politicians. And one time he's flying into Washington, D.C. Let me give you, show you a picture of my grandfather to just give you some context for this story. Okay, so for you history buffs, who's a president around his time that looks like him? Not Kennedy. Come on. Here it is, Richard Nixon. So the famous story is Granddaddy flies into Washington. He's getting off the plane, and all of a sudden, as he's stepping off, the press see him and start running towards him to take pictures, to get interviews. And I'm sure they were quite embarrassed when they find that they're interviewing a, a Texan car dealer. You know, we, we love to laugh at that story, and I think about how funny that the experts, the people, the press, who were supposed to know all things a president, actually mistook his identity. And you know, as Christians, we are to be experts in Jesus, and I want to, as a pastor, equip a church to know when Jesus is coming into town. And then to know how to partner with him when he comes. And in Mark 11, this, this title of this section of scripture is called Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as King. It's the triumphal entry. But I want to say that Jesus comes in a way that we wouldn't expect him. And it's important for us to know how Jesus actually moves and how he presents himself. So will you jump into the scripture with me today? It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there. No one's ever ridden it. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered the, into Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. You know, kings ride into town in limousines. Kings, presidents, prime ministers, world leaders, they show up in elaborate, fancy, beautiful modes of transportation. Let me just show you, um, this is the president's limousine. Have you seen this? It's called The Beast. $1.5 million vehicle. 
It's got eight-inch doors. It's the most well-armored car on the planet. Five layers of bulletproof glass. It can take a rocket launcher hitting it. It's sealed off to be airtight where chemical warfare couldn't affect it. The tires are reinforced with Kevlar, so it could take 100 bullets to it and keep driving. Then in the trunk, you open it up, there's a refrigerator with five pints of the president's type of blood, just in case he needed it. And then there's a grenade launcher in the back. And the beast is so awesome, it has its own plane that flies it around. And then it has an SUV, which is a full communication center. This is how presidents show up in a town. This is how world leaders come into a town. Not like this. <laughs> this is a borrowed means of transportation. This is a Lyme bicycle. And this is the equivalent of how Jesus rode into town that day. Can you imagine the king of kings coming in on a lime bicycle? You know, kings in antiquity, they came in on grand chariots, the most beautiful white horses, the most ornate grand chariots, gold-plated, all kinds of beautiful tapestries and paintings on them, or at least if they were coming back from a war, they would have the most majestic steed that they'd ride in on, not the colt of a donkey. So why, when Jesus chose to come in to town as the king of kings, would he ride in on a donkey? Well, here's what I want to propose to you today. As we've been unpacking the book of Mark, we've been showing a, it, that it's a juxtaposition between three kingdoms at war with each other. The first is what we call the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world. Kingdom of the world. And as we've talked about each week, the kingdom of the world has these different desires, these different ambitions or goals, and they are money, sex, and power. The world believes, you just watch TV, just for a moment, just watch the movies, watch the people that the world heralds. If we have plenty of money, if we are sexy and have sex all that, that we want, and if we have power, then we have arrived. You're going to have a fulfilling, joyous, happy life. I think Jesus shows up on a donkey to say, it's not about the kingdom of this world, folks. Let me just tell you, donkeys are not expensive. You live out in the country, people try to give their donkeys away. They're so annoying. <laughs> How many beer commercials have you seen where someone rides in on a donkey. It's the least sexy animal out there. And lastly, a donkey is not the mode of transportation for the powerful. Actually, it's a beast of burden. It's known for being used by servants. Now, juxtaposed to the kingdom of this world, many people think, well, I, I'm not going to follow the kingdom of the world anymore. I'm going to get religious. I'm going to become a good religious person. So that's the kingdom of religion. Kingdom of religion says we're not like those bad sinners, those people that just want money, sex, and power. And instead, it's about self-righteousness. Well, I'm a good person. It's self-righteousness. You know, a donkey is about the least self-righteous thing out there. I mean, what do you call a person if they're a real pain in the rear? They're a donkey. Um, <laughs> some people use another word, but we don't say that here at All People's Church. <laughs> It's not self-righteous. Uh, the 
kingdom of religion wants importance. It's about being very important. Let me just tell you, a donkey's about the least important animal. No important person would come in. And the kingdom of religion is about position. The Pharisees love to have the chief place at the table and to be seen in the most important locations. No one of position would come in on a donkey. Why is Jesus riding in on the colt of a donkey? Because he's showing us that his kingdom is completely different. It's not the kingdom of this world. It's not the kingdom of religion. It's the kingdom of, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is freeing us to live in the kingdom of God. And what are the values of the kingdom of God? Their faith, hope, and love. Their humility. Servant-heartedness. And love. You know, when Jesus came in on this donkey, it's amazing. People stood on the sides of the road he's riding in, and they yelled something interesting. They started saying, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is this son of David. What does Hosanna mean? I was studying the word Hosanna this week, and it's, it's an Aramaic word. And it was one that was used in festivals, but if you look at this last line, originally an appeal for deliverance. Have you ever thought about Jesus coming in on a colt of a donkey? It's actually, he's delivering us. Like just that sign right there, it's delivering us from feeling like if I don't have money and sex and power that my life stinks. Have you ever noticed that one of the greatest ways to lose your joy is to look at someone else and what they have and realize what you don't have? Like, have you ever noticed it's like your friend gets a brand new car and you're like, that's awesome, but what about me, right? And you, you think that's, I, I used to have a, you know, someone, someone gets the decked out Escalade and you're like, but I'm driving a line bike, you know, I... I had a car, my, my, my brother-in-law gave it to me, I was very thankful, but it was worth $400 and we called it the charro bean, because it looked like it had gone through the fire and was charred, right? And it was a little black, black bean looking car. And, and you know, it, what, what's hard is when you're driving the charro bean to see your friend show up in a brand new car, because you're thinking, you know, it's this, and then Jesus says, no, no one looked at Jesus that day and said, boy, would I like to have that donkey. That is one good looking donkey. Jesus was freeing us from the kingdom of this world, but Jesus was also delivering us from the kingdom of religion. No one was saying, man, that must be an important guy. It wasn't, guys, it wasn't even a donkey. It was a colt of a donkey. I'm sure his legs were like dragging on the ground, you know, on this little thing. You know, they're going, come on, I hope you make it. You know, Jesus delivers us from these other kingdoms and says, my kingdom is a completely different kingdom. And the currency is faith, hope, and love. It, it starts with this phrase where he actually talks to his followers and says, go to the village and find me a donkey. Isn't that interesting? Jesus enlists other people in helping him come into town. Now let me just ask you this question. Did Jesus need help? Does Jesus need us to help him out? No, we know from John 1 that Jesus was there in the beginning. Like, Jesus created the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him. Like, Jesus could have just said, let there be donkey. 
and a donkey would have come about, right? Let there be light. Boom, there's light. Let there be, let there be donkey. Let there be, let me, he could have said, let there be chariot, right? Let there be a host of angels. He doesn't need us, but instead, why? He, he chooses to partner with us so we can experience his kingdom coming into this world. He chooses. I, I, I loved seeing so many. Who, who went out yesterday with Saturate San Diego? Who was there? Come on, wave your hands in the air like you just don't care. So exciting to see God using us to spread out the good news of the kingdom. And different ones talked about, you know, they'd, they'd handed out a, a DVD and then they're walking back by the home. People are already watching it. Got to, to just hand it to a couple people on the street and said, hey, do you guys need prayer? They're like, oh, please pray for me. So we grabbed hands and held hands in a circle. And they, I don't think these people were Jesus followers. And after we finished, the woman's like, boy, I needed that prayer. My, my mom had a cool experience where a woman ran up to her and said, I, would you please pray for me? And then afterwards, my mom got to lead her in a prayer to accept, accept Jesus as Lord. It, God just wants us to get to partner with him. We're like that little kid, you know, and I don't know if you've ever seen a kid on moving day and the parents are, you know, moving the big couch and the little two-year-old's like holding it like this. And he's actually probably causing more problems than good, but he feels, ah, I'm helping my daddy, right? (laughs) Under That's what we are. He's saying, hey, come get involved. Go, go, go into the village and I'm going to let you help me out. And, And uh, would you just take this, the, these little cards that are on your seat? I'd love for you to just take this. Don't leave that. This, this wasn't for you to remind you that we have five services uh, on Easter. And why, why do we have five services? It's, it's, it's so if you get really lonely, you'll know where we're at. You can just come anytime. No, that, that's actually not. The reason we have five services is, is for this reason. It's, it's because 83, in a, in a recent survey, 83% of people said if someone invited them to a church service on Easter weekend, they'd go. 83% of Americans. There is no time where people are more willing to go. We might think, well, man, America is just, it's in such a rough place. Can I just tell you that people, though, want to hear about something on Easter? And we get the chance to go and invite them. You know what that means? That means eight out of 10 people in your office would come if you invited them. Eight out of 10 people in your school. That's just amazing to me. So I want to encourage us, church, let's, let's partner with God. Let's, let's go with him. And then here's the next thing. This is just amazing. It says, to the colt tied there. How did Jesus know who he's outside of the city? How did he know that there was going to be a colt tied to a certain doorway there? Yeah, well, it must have been because Jesus had Google Maps, and there's always a colt tied, so they took a picture, and right? No, there's no Google Maps there. No, Jesus had his Jesus drone, right? And just sent it out and a little surveillance. No, there was no drones. Here, here's what it was: is Jesus was in communication with the Father, and so the Father had spoken to him. It was a, it was a word of knowledge. I was traveling this past weekend in Scotland, and I took my youngest son with me, John Mark, and we're walking down the road, and he brings up something interesting. He goes, Dad, do you remember when, when, when we were on a mission trip, and we sat and asked God where to go, and he spoke to us to go to the park? And I said, yeah, I remember that. And he goes, and then do you remember that he spoke to me about a guy that was wearing a, a red sweatshirt, and then all of a sudden that red shirt, sweatshirt guy shows up, and we went and talked to him, and I said, what happened? He goes, he gave his life to Jesus. And he was like, that was me. He was so proud. 
And that was the end of our conversation. I went, yeah, that's great. I'm working. But here, here's the thing. God, God's not just speaking to, to the mature, the people who've been. He's speaking to a 10-year-old who the minute before was talking about Spider-Man. <laughs> um, why am I bringing that up? I want to encourage you this week to ask God, God, God who, who should I reach out to? Who do you want me to go to? Who's a family member or a neighbor? Who's a friend? Who, can I just tell you, I, I mean, sometimes I, I ask God to speak and, and nothing happens, but sometimes he actually shows me. He actually speaks to me. He, he puts something on my heart. And can I just tell you, that's when the supernatural starts happening. Are we listening? Are we listening to God? That day, there was a specific donkey just waiting to be used. And, and Jesus was aware of it, and he sent his disciples. And, and here, I love this next part. It says, which no one has ever ridden. Say no one. This is fascinating. This is a donkey that no one has ever ridden. Now, my oldest son sitting here on the front row. I love Hudson. And from the time Hudson was two to the time he was 13, every day of his life, he asked for a horse. He would say, I want a horse. After 11 years, you finally start breaking down as a parent. And so I finally said, okay, Hudson, you save up the money. You buy the corral and the saddle. And you pray it in, and if you're given a horse, then I'll know. But, but I said, there's one, there's one thing is I have to approve of that horse. Like, it, it's got to be the right horse. And what it was is I love my son, so I don't want him to get hurt on a bad horse. So I wanted the most bomb-proof horse ever. Well, we ended up getting a 21-year-old horse on its 10th owner. This horse outlived its owners. I mean, this horse had been so ridden, so broken in, so bomb-proof. That's the kind of horse you want for someone that's precious to you. I didn't say, oh, horse, Hudson, go out and find a wild Mustang. No, so are, are, you, are you thinking about this? So Jesus ends up getting a horse that's never ridden before? Can I just tell you, Jesus, he's willing to go on a wild ride. Jesus is willing to do what no one has ever done before. He's so different. He's so different than the kingdom of this world. The, uh, the king would want the horse that was the most well-trained, most focused, most perfect horse. The kingdom of religion, totally unpredictable. No, can I just tell you, Jesus' character is constant and consistent. But Jesus' actions, totally unpredictable. Right? Jesus' character, you could, it's, it's always steadfast. But what Jesus is going to do next, it's wild. Come on and take a wild ride with Jesus. Right? You, one, of the, one of the ways we get in trouble in life is we look at someone else and go, well, it's just going to look like them. Can I just tell you Jesus has his own donkey for you? Right? You get your own donkey. Welcome to this faith. Don't, you're not going to ride something that someone else has ridden. He has a donkey for you. He has a, are you willing to take a ride that no one else has ever ridden? And he says this, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied it at a doorway and they untied it. Some people standing there asked, hey, what are you doing? Untying that colt. And they answered as Jesus had told them to. Guys, have you read this story? Jesus says, go to this doorway and take a donkey and don't pay for it. Hello? Like, Jesus, that's awfully un-Jesus of you. <laughs> right, Christ, that's a little unchristian. Christians pay for their donkeys. 
right? Right? We don't, we don't, we don't cut in line. We, we, don't, we don't sneak into Disneyland. We buy our tickets, <laughs> right? And Jesus, what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is just Jesus, you've you got to be willing to, 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 do, to do things and not care about what other people think. Um, so many times uh, people ask me to tell my, my foolish stories, my embarrassing stories. I'm, I, so we were in Scotland. I'm talking to this group of leaders and the pastor stops and goes, Robert, you got to tell your Reading story. And I'm like, no, I have like some good stories. And that's what I want to tell where I'm like the hero. And they're like, no, tell the Reading story. So, so I tell the Reading story and here's how the Reading story goes. I'm sitting in a, a restaurant packed with people in Reading, California, and I'm sitting with, with two older pastors that I really respect, and I kind of want to impress. And while I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, I just feel the Spirit prompting me. Have you had that before where you're like, oh, I know I'm supposed to do something. Like, I know I need to talk to this person, or I know I need to give something. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, and you start having this wrestle inside of you, and I'm like, and I'm sitting with these guys. They're going to think I'm weird. And I just keep having it, and I finally say, okay, guys, just pray for me. I have to stand up in this restaurant and talk about Jesus. I stand up and I go, excuse me, everybody here in the restroom. Did I just say restroom? Everyone goes. Okay, can I just tell you, I was so embarrassed. I went, no, I'm in restaurant. Restaurant. Jesus loves you and he died for you and he wants to help you. And if, if we can pray for anyone, my friends and I, we love Jesus. My friends are like, oh. <laughs> we want to pray for you. I sit down, you know, they're kind of like, hey, nice try, little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and a woman walks up, and she slides a note across the table. And I, I open it up, and it says, hey, if you really mean what you said, then can you meet me and my friend outside? I went, huh. I walk outside, and there's a woman with her head down. And she goes, um, I've been deliberating, taking my own life. She says, but if, if Jesus is, is real, I'm, I'm willing to give him a try. I was like, is he real? He was, that's why I stood up. It was just for you. Pray for her. It was like I just a load lifted off her shoulders. She was so thankful. Can I just tell you, it's not about our perfection. It's not about how polished we are. It's not doing things perfect. It's, it's about just being willing to do what Jesus says and even being willing to make a fool out of ourselves. Don't you know these disciples are like, wait, Jesus, we're going to go into town and take a donkey and, and not pay for it. We're just going to take someone's donkey right out of their doorway. And, and then what are they going to think? And then while they're taking it, people are like, hey, what are you doing? And they go, um, um, what did he say? The, the master told us to take this donkey but we'll bring it back. And they were like, oh, go ahead. <laughs> it says, and the people let them go. What? I mean, it wasn't some Obi-Wan Kenobi like, this donkey shall go, you know? <laughs> no, this is, this is normal life. But can, can I just tell you, where God guides, God provides. 
When he, when he tells you to do something, he's going to make a way for you. It reminds me of our, 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 our light project where we were wanting to, to, to buy a piece of property and build a, uh, build a building to have a permanent home for our church. And we, we had some of the best realtors, and they said, what you're looking for, it doesn't exist. They said, we looked through this whole, this whole area from the 125 all the way to the 805. There's nothing that exists like that. You need to go out of there. And we said, no, we actually feel like God has told us this area. And then we find this piece of land, and we're like, that's it. That's the piece of land. And they say, sorry, all the deals are already in. All the bids are in. We're not going to accept it. And we're like, no, but this is the land. And all of a sudden, they say, oh, okay, well, we'll oh, well, you're a church. We're not accepting an offer from a church. And then all of a sudden, you know what happens today? We have almost six acres on the freeway that's completely paid for, that all people's church owns by the grace of God, where God guides, he provides. What God says goes. If he tells you to borrow a donkey, go borrow the donkey. Now, if you're going to do something without paying for it, you might want to talk to your life group leader first. But, <laughs> but God's ways are not our ways. And let me just finish with this. It says this, when they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches that they cut in the fields. Um, Here's the thing, uh, on my trip to Scotland, I had one kind of casualty, and, and that was I, I, I lost my coat. Um, it was my, my, my precious coat. And uh, I had a real tight layover in, from London to Scotland, and so we're about to miss a flight, so we just grabbed our stuff and took off running. And I get on the next flight, and I'm like, no, I left my coat. No, my precious coat. And I tried to console myself by being like, well, I lost it in the service of the Lord. Um, but it was still hard. I, I sacrificed my coat, and it was a bummer. And I'm, I'm frustrated because I love that coat. And I'm in Scotland. It's going to be cold. It's not like San Diego where a coat's an accessory. Like, oh, it dropped from 75 to 73. Better grab a coat, right? It's, this is Scotland. It's going to be in the 30s, and I'm, and I'm going to be cold. The disciples, can I have that coat, Joshua? Thank you so much. Um, the disciples took their coats and they placed it on the donkey. Now, going back to when we had a horse, we, you put a blanket under your saddle. And here's the thing. When you put a blanket on a horse, a horse's hair gets stuck up in there. And as much as I tried, I tried it all the time to get the, the hair off the blanket. I couldn't get it. It just gets intertwined into the fabric. It absolutely ruins the blanket. And not just that, I don't know about you, but horses are smelly. I don't know about you. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you're not smelly. Um, don't turn to your neighbor. Um, what I'm trying to say is you put a cloak on the back of a horse and it's going to get hair in it and it's going to smell like livestock. It's going to get dirty. It's going to get sneaky. And then it says other people threw their cloaks on the ground. They threw it on the road for Jesus to ride in. You throw your coat out on University Avenue, it's going to get dirty. You throw your coat out on an ant and a road in antiquity where the animals were going, not just cars, but animals and they're dropping stuff and spewing stuff, and, and, and you throw your coat down, it's going to get ruined. And then the donkey that steps in the stuff is stepping on your coat, right? That was a costly act of worship. Now, other people, it says, they did this, and this is why it's called Palm Sunday. They, um, 
They went out to the fields and cut, I got a little palm branch, they cut branches. Now here's what I know about antiquity. Not many people owned fields, so here's what other people were doing. They were going into other people's fields and cutting branches, right? I mean, that's what I did. I showed up at church and I was like, I need a palm branch. We cut one off the tree right there. <laughs> Cost me nothing, right? Uh, now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing. It's cool that, that they were waving branches because that was prophetic of a king, right? That's a symbol of victory. But I did start thinking, you know, this weekend, this Sunday, it, it would be, I think it would be a lot more appropriate to be named Cloak Sunday. Because the people that threw their cloaks, that, that was actually an act of sacrifice, you know, that, versus the people that went into someone else's field and just, they were just consumers, right? And it made me start thinking, am I a, a branch Christian or am I a cloak Christian? Am I a consumer in my faith or am I a sacrificer? You know, Jesus pays the greatest sacrifice for us. And let me just tell you, we all come to Jesus out of need. Like, don't feel bad about that. We need salvation. We need to have our sins paid for. We need to not go to hell. We need healing. We need comfort. We, and that's good. We come to, come to me, all you who are weary. He says, come to me. But th this is what I love. You know, when a baby is born, they're needy. They just, a baby is needy, and all they do is need. But as a, a child goes from baby to to maturity. Well, this morning, it was such a blessing to, to wake up, and my son Joshua, he had put a note on, on my place at the table. that said, happy birthday, Dad, and decorated it, and then he said these things that he loved about me. Thank you for doing this, Dad, and thank you for doing that, and no one told him to do that, but you know what that meant to me? That he took the time to bless me, and you grow into maturity. You stop thinking just about consuming and you start thinking about what can I actually do? How can I sacrifice to make a way for the king to come into town? What can I do that's actually called? I mean, my coat might be ruined forever. They, the disciples didn't have other coats, right? And then they, and they came in and they were like, hey, the one coat I have in this act of worship, I just put it right there. And, and maybe they were like, hey, it's so cold. I have to have my, cow, my coat and they pick it up and it's got horse hair and manure. And, but they're like, it's okay. That disgrace is okay because I was bringing in the king of kings into the city. I just want to encourage you as we come into this holy week, don't be a branch Christian. Be a cloak Christian. Don't just take and wave your little offering for one hour. Instead, say, Jesus, what can I do? How can I be a living sacrifice in my neighborhood, in my family? I'm willing to step outside of my comfort zone to make a way for the king to come into my neighborhood. I'm going to invite someone into church. I'm going to pray for one of my neighbors. I'm going to give to the work of God because of your great sacrifice. I want to go from being a baby. I want to go into maturity where I'm actually saying, Father, I want to bless you. I want to give to you. Let's stand up.